Who said that children can't change the world? This is Teenage Tech Stories, the podcast where today's teens talk about their incredible technological achievements, from developing groundbreaking algorithms to innovating in healthcare or even leading their own nonprofit organizations. These young entrepreneurs are proof that it's never too early to start making the world a better place. Hello and welcome to this episode of Teenage Tech Stories. My name is Beatriz Valero and today's guest is Prisha Shaw, a 14-year-old from Arizona who has developed an AI-based wildfire prevention system. Her system is fully automated, inexpensive, and is able to predict fire vulnerable locations and deploy drones to fly to those spots for a closer look at the potential threat. Hi, Prisha. Hi. Great to have you on the podcast. Why don't you just take a second and introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. First of all, thank you so much for having me here. I am Prisha Shroff. I am 14 years old. I live in Arizona and I have a passion to solving real world problems. And I love STEM. Some of my hobbies include swimming, dancing, playing the piano, and I've been doing that since I was six years old. During COVID, I even started baking with my brother and I found it to be really fun. I also love traveling with my family. And recently we've been visiting a bunch of national parks in the US and I found how much I love hiking. That's great. The U.S. has some beautiful parts. I'm sure you enjoy that a lot. And then, yeah, one hobby that you didn't mention was that you like programming. Can you tell me a bit about how you first got interested in that? I first got interested in programming when my mom brought home a digital clock that used an Arduino board to accurately tell the time. And this inspired me to think, like, what else could coding be used for? And along with that, in elementary school, like, my teachers made coding super fun. They taught us how to code Ozobots. Um, they also taught us coding through code.org. And then they also let us code Arduino boards. And so that really inspired me to learn how to code in my free time. That's great that they made it fun. So obviously you've developed a very cool project that we'll talk about in a second, which is about wildfires, right? And how to prevent them. This is a huge problem. From 2011 to 2020, there was an average of 62,000 wildfires annually in the US and 7.5 million acres were impacted. And obviously that uh, number grew last year in 2020. We all know about the California wildfires. Last year, 10.1 million acres burned in the States and nearly 40% of these areas area was in California alone. Obviously, very scary, huge problem. When did you first get interested in solving this issue? So I was inspired to solve this problem when me and my family were driving home from LA and there was a huge wildfire on the road and, and it was like destroying everything in its path. And so when we came back to my friend's house in LA, we turned on the news and we saw how people's homes are being lost, how much land was being destroyed. And there was even advisory warnings not to go outside because there was so much pollution from the wildfires. One of my friends even had to evacuate their houses because the wildfire was so unpredictable and they didn't know where it would go. And so that led me to realize how big of a problem this is. And then when I came back home, I was like looking at the news and there's like the Australia wildfires, the Amazon wildfires. 
And I realized that this is such a global problem that needs to be solved. Yes, of course. But something so scary to like be caught in, in the middle of that. Yeah. Okay. So obviously a lot of the tools that exist right now against wildfires are focusing usually in detecting them and depressing them, but yours focuses on prevention. Can you tell me why is this important? Yeah. So once a wildfire has started, it has already caused some damage. It has burned trees, destroyed homes, and even polluted the air. But if you can prevent a wildfire before it even starts, you can reduce all of these impacts. And not only that, some wildfires have been going on for over a month. And so they've reached a point where detection and suppression doesn't really have as much of an impact on it anymore. So that's why I see a need for a solution that can like detect the wildfire or prevent the wildfire before it starts. So it doesn't even have these impacts and it doesn't even do all the damage that it's already done. Great. Obviously, that's so important. If you can prevent the wildfire altogether, then you avoid so many risks. Okay, so how does it work? So I there's like two main parts to the wildfire prevention system and it uses um, artificial intelligence and then there's like a drone deployment. Uh, the first part of my wildfire prevention system takes satellite data from NASA and NOAA of six different parameters. And then what it does is it uses those two to figure out where a wildfire can occur. And those areas are called hotspots. So basically, if the conditions reach some threshold, then that's an area where a wildfire can occur. And it categorizes each area, each location like around the world into that. And then what it does is all the locations where wildfire can occur, then um, it uses the drone deployment where it'll send a drone to the location. And then um, this part's in progress, but then it'll spray fire retardant there. And so that's the goal to prevent wildfire from occurring. That's really cool. So what kind of measurements or things indicate like a risk of there's a wildfire? Yeah, so wildfires need three things to occur. They need fuel, oxygen, and heat source. Um, and so what my system does is it detects these parameters and then also you need ideal conditions for wildfire to start. So what it does is it detects whether the wildfire has these ideal conditions. So for example, it uses temperature. And so obviously you need some amount of heat for wildfire to occur. Then it also detects precipitation, which is basically the amount of rainfall in an area. Then it detects land cover. And so that's basically whether an area is like ocean or it's a desert or it's like a forest. So it like gives um, an idea of which area it um, the wildfire can occur in. Then it also has vegetation greenness. And so that's basically the amount of fuel for wildfire to start and how dry it is versus how much moisture it is. And this also correlates with another one that I'm using, soil moisture, which is basically the amount of um, moisture underground, which also determines like how healthy are the plants? Like, are they dry? Are they living? And then the last one is wind. And so you obviously need some wind for wildfire to spread from one area to another. So that's what it detects. Find us at Tech for Good on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at techforgood underscore. That's really cool. A lot of variables in it, but it's really interesting to learn how, how they happen. And have you had the chance to like test your project yet? Yeah, so I've actually been able to test the classifier part of it. And um, the model used in the system achieved a 98.6% accuracy in identifying a hotspot. And so I tested that by um, testing on previous year's data and whether wildfire actually occurred in those areas. Um, and then now it, you, based on the accuracy, it can 
now predict where a wildfire can occur. But um, in the future, I'm hoping that I can test out the drone part of my system with the fire department and test it on a strip of land and see whether wildfire occurs or not. That'd be really cool. But it's amazing that it's already like predicting all the stuff. So well done. Yeah. Um, and so I, that's why I'm like still working on my project and I'm hoping to just keep testing and hopefully it can be used someday. Yeah, of course. Uh, an important part of, of your project is that it's portable and affordable, right? So that people can use it. What was that important for you? I think that is very important because the other day um, I was talking to the Chandler City Fire Department and they were telling me how the wildland departments do not get as much um, budget of a budget and they don't get as much staff. So to manage all of the area that they have to um, it requires a lot of resources so they need a cost-efficient solution to monitor whether wildfire can occur and that's why I think that um, the affordability is a is like a good part of the system and then also it's portable and the reason that that is so important is so you don't have to install it in every single area every single forest because it's like um, online or like on the cloud, uh, you can monitor the entire world from one location. And that's the beauty of it. That's really cool. And I love that you were already talking to the fire department. How was that experience? Um, so the experience was definitely amazing because they were also so ready to use the solution. Um, and so now um, after talking with the fire department, I'm, going, I'm working with the wildland department to see if we can like test my solution and use it to prevent the wildfires. But the Chandler Fire Department was like very ready to use my solution. And I think that um, it can definitely prevent wildfires. So that would be a good thing to see in the future. That's really cool. It must be so exciting to see that people are responding to it so well and so fast. But this is not the only project you've done, which is another thing I find amazing. I heard that you're very interested in, in space and you have designed a self-cleaning solar panel for Mars. Can you tell me a bit about that? The self-cleaning solar panel was inspired by um, when I went to a GeoTeach conference. And so they were talking about, um, this NASA scientist was talking about how the Mars rover stopped working due to the amount of dust collected on its solar panel. And that's how it runs, like with solar panels. And like you spent so much money building a rover, sending it to Mars. And then it's just like such a tiny problem, like the amount of dust stops the solar panel from working. And not only that, I live in Arizona. So we have like 365 days of sun, right? And um, water is also scarce here. But there's a lot of dust and it collects on the solar panels. And I also learned that like uh, the, if there's dust on the solar panel, its efficiency can decrease by over 40%. And that's a lot of power that could be generated, right? So um, I was inspired to create it because of that. And so my solution um, doesn't use water because I wanted it to be able to work in Mars and then also on Earth where water is such a scarce resource. So um, what it does is it uses a dust sensor to detect the amount of dust in the environment. Then um, it sends a signal to the Arduino board, which sends that to the wiper system. And it like rotates a wiper like 180 degrees, cleaning the dust off the solar panel. And so I was inspired by like the windshield wipers on cars, right? And so then also uh, the system has a recharging system where basically to power the cleaning system, um, a bit of the power from the solar panel repowers the system to clean the dust off the solar panel. That's really cool. And you were right. The anecdote you were referring to like happened in 2019. NASA completely lost contact with that rover. So, so much yeah. money and so much time lost because of dust. Very ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, 
your project sounds really cool. What was the hardest thing about this project? Um, I think the hardest thing was figuring out how to connect the dust sensor part of the solution along with the recharging system because like we have the dust sensor which is connected to the wiper system and then there's a whole other aspect to it where it also has to continue it needs to get power mm -hmm. and um, how does it do that from the solar panel itself right so i think getting those two parts to connect with each other to make the solution was the hardest that's really cool okay so you're also a chief science officer tell me what that means so to me being a chief science officer means spreading stem awareness to the community and my love of stem and so one way that i did that was teaching stem in india and so there are kids who don't get as many resources and as much um, knowledge of stem as we do like here we have like stem mentors we get like resources we get exposure to all of that but over there there's not as much exposure especially in like the villages in the rural areas so what I did is um, I taught STEM to about 350 kids and some of them were seventh graders and some of them were underprivileged kids from the neural, nearby rural areas. And so I was so happy that I was able to spread my love of STEM and give them an exposure to things like the engineering design process, um, circuitry. And of course, like using teamwork to solve real world problems. That's so important. And it's like so great that you had a chance to do that. Why do you think kids need to have these abilities, especially girls? I think that like technology is our future. And soon we're going to be seeing like self-driving cars in smart cities, like around the globe. And I think that it's important that we all learn a little bit about STEM, about technology, and we make it a part of our curriculum. So that way we can also know how everything works and along with that even if you don't want to do a career in that field it's just good to know the same way that we learn like English we learn history we learn science because who knows like how useful it is and how it'll become useful to us and it is our future yes for sure okay so what do you want to do about your future do you have any plans or goals in the future I want to be an entrepreneur of a company that creates solutions to real world problems and um, it's just like what I'm doing today but um, on a larger scale and I just want to keep doing that because I realize that the impact that you can have and how many lives you can save and how much of the world that you can impact is just so much and I hope that we can soon end some of these problems. Yes, I hope so too and I have no doubt you'll be part of that solution. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Yeah, of course. Thank you for listening to this episode of Teenage Tech Stories. Like, review, subscribe, or visit us at techforgood.net to read more about today's guest and other incredible people who are using technology to make the world a better place.